Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. I have a word that I'm excited to share with you today. It's something that God's been revealing to me, something he's been speaking to me. Uh, I, I don't think it's a heavy word, which means I'm going to try and give my vocal cords a rest this week and not shout too much. But I do believe that if you can catch this word, it will change the way that you understand your relationship with God, that there is a revelation in this word that will transform your relationship with Jesus. I want you to turn with me to the book of John. We're going to look in John 15. And if you can scroll down to John 15 and 14, we're going to read two verses here. John 15, starting in verse 14, says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And I want you to just leave a tab, leave a thumb there in John 15, because we're going to jump around in the chapter a little bit as we walk through this today. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. Thank you for your presence. I thank you that you reveal the word to us, that you reveal Jesus to us. Help me to speak what I've seen today. Help it to take root in our lives. Help it to sound like heaven today. Help it to help us move forward, Jesus. In your name, amen. There's this quote from C.S. Lewis. He has been known to say that friendship is unnecessary, like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. That we don't need it in the way that we need air and the way that we need water to keep on living, but it is one of the things that gives us meaning to our life. It's one of the things that gives us purpose to our life, that make the value in living meaningful is this thing called friendship. Now, in the past few decades since C.S. Lewis has gone home to be with Jesus, there have been even more studies that would suggest that maybe, yes, not in the way air or water are necessary for our survival, but there is something necessary about friendship to the longevity of our life. That our life is extended. Physically, our life is extended. We ward off different diseases. We ward off different ailments when we have meaningful friendship, meaningful relationships in our life. There is something that happens in our life when we have friendships that count. And this is what C.S. Lewis is speaking to. This is what he is getting to, that there is something about friendship that changes the way our life leads us. There is something about friendship that builds in our life. There is something that adds value to our life when we have friends. And the longer we live, the longer those friendships matter in our lives. Now, there are all kinds of different friendships that we encounter throughout the course of our life. There are all kinds of different friendships that we get the wonderful beauty of experiencing. We have childhood friendships in our life. 
These friendships that come into our life in our early days, these friendships in our life that are because they live in our neighborhood, because they go to our school, they're friendships with people who we have known since we are little, and some of them carry us through the years, and some of us are just built on the shared memories that we have in those seasons. Our childhood friendships, when we re-encounter these people as we're older, somehow we revert all the way back to the neighborhood we grew up, and we want to laugh and joke about the way that we ran around the neighborhood block or the way that we played ball at the end of the street. These childhood friendships create a richness in our story unlike any other friendships we'll have. We have contextual friendships, friendships that are built around the contexts that we're in, the places that we find ourselves we have school friends, and we have work friends, and we have sport friends, friends that we have when we are participating in that activity, friends that we have when we are in that different place, friends that we have when we're in that different location. And you know that a friend has really moved into a new level of friendship when you drop the context off of the front, when they're no longer just your work friend, but you guys hang out outside of work as well. When they're no longer just your friend from school, but you just simply call them your friend. Your friendship has moved to a new level. We have seasonal friends, friends that God brings into our life for a particular season of time, friends that God brings into our life to journey with us in a part of our journey. It would do us great good to understand that some friendships are seasonal friendships, that sometimes God walks us through a season and brings someone into our life that is meaningful and makes an incredible impact on our life, and we get to make an incredible impact on theirs, and we get dozens and dozens of shared memories and shared experiences together, and it doesn't mean it's bad when that season just comes to an end. Some of our frustration in life comes from holding on to things that it's just time to let go of. It's just time to say that was good and that was great and now it's time to move on from it. There are seasonal relationships in our life. And then there are the precious, treasured, lifelong friendships. Friendships that you have for decades and decades. Friendships that go through all kinds of seasons. Friendships that change in intensity and friendships that have carried you. Friendships that are cluttered with shared laughter and shared tears over the years. Friendships that make up every season of your life. Friendships that knew you when you were single and friendships that know you when you're married and friendships that know when your marriage was in the rough spot and friendships that walked with you in rejoicing when it was renewed. Friendships that walked with you when you had kids and when you retired and when you became empty nesters. Friendships that have journeyed through all of the seasons. We get a few treasured life long friendships and when we look at all of the different friendships that we have and we have had in our life this is this wonderful extraordinary beautiful you get your family but you choose your friendships it's a special kind of relationship this friendship thing that we get to enjoy and that we get to be part of and this is what John tells us that Jesus has invited us into when John is talking to his disciples here, he tells them, I now call you friends. I now call you, think about it, imagine it. God with skin on says, I now call you friend. 
I now invite you into this special treasured relationship, this place where we carry each other in and out of seasons, this place where we get to rejoice together in our high moments and mourn together in our low moments, this place where I understand what the smirk on your face means when somebody is talking to you, this place where I get to walk with you in your heavy season, this place where I transition with you in the difficult seasons, this thing, this magical, wonderful, incredible thing called friendship is the thing that Jesus invites us into with him. What an awesome thing that Jesus has called us friend. There's one more kind of friendship, type of friendship, and that is a friendship where the power dynamic is uneven in the relationship. Now, having an uneven power dynamic in a relationship can often lead to very unhealthy relationships. Often the easiest friendships have an equal level of power that exists inside the relationship. However, it is possible to have a healthy relationship where the power dynamics aren't even. The thing that is required is the person with the greater amount of power in the relationship has to take the responsibility to set the terms for the relationship. It's the responsibility of the person with the greater amount of power to come into the relationship and say, I'm going to clarify the context of this relationship. I'm going to set up some clearer boundaries in this relationship. Jesus has far more power in this friendship than you or I do. Jesus is all knowing. He is all powerful. He is all and all. He is love wrapped up and embodied in flesh. There is no evenness in the relationship that we have with Jesus. He is so far above. He is so high above. He is so beyond you and I. He is so outside of anything we could ever hope for or attain to or dream of. If you can imagine like the celebrity that you think is like the coolest celebrity and you think like, I just know we would be BFFs if we ever met. Multiply it by like a thousand and you've maybe come close to what it means to get to be friends with Jesus. He's so far above us. But this is what he does in John. He says, I'm going to set some terms for this friendship. I've invited you into this relationship. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to extend a hand and I'm going to explain to you what the terms of this relationship are, is. This is what he says in verse 16 when he says, I chose you. You couldn't possibly get to him. You couldn't possibly choose him. You couldn't possibly have said, hey, God, in flesh, I would like to be your friend now. But he said, I chose you and I called you into friendship. I picked you and I said, I want to be their friends. And so then he starts to lay out the terms. If you look back in John 15, this is where he says, abide in me. Remain in me. Be found in me. He says part of the terms of our relationship is abiding. I want you to abide with me. I want you to remain with me. I want you to be found in me, to stay connected to me. I want you to make your life rooted and established in me. Make sure that in all that you do, you are continuing to abide in me. The way this friendship is going to work is that you need to abide in me. That's the terms of the relationship. 
There are four pillars that create any friendship, four pillars that you have to have in order for a friendship to develop and to be sustained. The first is proximity. It is a shared space, a shared connection, a closeness of person, a closeness of relationship. You have to be near someone to be friends with someone, right? That maybe seems clear and it maybe seems obvious, but as we grow in this technological space, what does it mean for us? It means that that person that you met in that mom's group that always likes all of your posts, she's not really your friend. The relationship has to move into some level of proximity for that to actually be a friendship. And this is where we get off track because we are looking to relationships that are not friendships to give us the support that friendship should offer in our life. She might be an encouragement to you. She might be a strength to you. But that relationship is going to have to come out of there and at least into some phone calls every so often. At least into a video chat. At least into a shared space. A proximity of relationship, the proximity of who you are with, the closeness of who you are with determines whether or not a friendship is going to be able to develop in that space. I encourage you to look at yourself throughout this week. Who have you put in your proximity that you need to draw closer? And who have you put in your proximity that it's time to create some distance from? Because just simply being in proximity with someone will cause you to develop a friendship with that person. The longer you are with that with someone, the more time that you spend with someone, the more closeness that you have with someone, the more your heart begins to just naturally connect with that person. The more you just naturally begin to develop a friendship and a relationship with that person. You can't help it. We are built to be in connection. It's why you have to be mindful of who is in proximity to your life because the proximity of someone in your life influences the ability of that person to speak into your life. And anyone that can speak into your life can determine the direction of your life. Who have you put your life in proximity with? We have to have proximity for friendship. We have to have frequency for friendship. The regularity of how often you come into proximity with someone. The regularity of how often you see someone and duration. These two work together. You have frequency and you have duration. How long do you see someone? For what extent do you see someone? What amount of time do you spend with someone? And these two work together because maybe you have a lifelong friend and you guys live on opposite sides of the country. So the frequency that you're together might not be that often. But when you get together, you hang out for like five days at a time. The duration of the time is lengthy, but the frequency is short. Or you have regular frequent contact with somebody and it's 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there. The best relationships have a a good balance of frequency and duration that you have to spend time with someone to have a friendship with them. You have to have time with someone to build a relationship with them. This is what I'm trying to say. You have to have time with Jesus to have a friendship with him. You have to have time with Jesus to build a relationship with him. You need to have a good frequency of your relationship with him. How often are you coming in contact with Jesus? How often are you coming to see about him? How often are you speaking to him? How often are you connecting with him? And you have to have some duration to your relationship 
relationship with Jesus? How long do you linger in his presence? How long can you give him your attention? How long do you wait for him to speak? There needs to be some frequency and some duration to your relationship with Jesus. And then friendships have to have intensity. They have to have something of that chemistry that happens, some intensity of shared goals, shared meaning, shared dreams, shared peaks, shared valleys, the intensity that comes into a relationship when you share some things with somebody. There is an intensity that comes into our relationships when we come and we share of ourselves. There's that old saying that secrets don't make friends. It's ridiculous. Secrets are exactly what make friendships. Part of what makes you a friend is the intensity that we share together. And part of the intensity that we get in our relationship is that I share things with you that I don't share with anybody else. That there is part of me that you know about that I don't tell everybody about. It is part of what builds the intensity and the fabric of our relationship. There should be things that you take to Jesus before you take them to everybody else. Secrets about what you're carrying. Secrets about your fears. Secrets about what you're worried about about secrets about what you're struggled about take them to Jesus and share with him an intensity in your relationship it will add depth to your relationship it will add flavor to your relationship it will add texture to your relationship and your friendship with Jesus to have some deeper intensity in the relationship that you have with him I love what Tracy said earlier she said Jesus might not have told you that I was talking to him she probably would say he probably would say that she came to him yelling at him because there were some secrets in her struggle that she came and poured out which added intensity to the friendship that you have with God there should be an intensity to your relationship with Jesus you have to have proximity. You have to have frequency. You have to have duration. You have to have intensity with your relationship with Jesus. Without these things, we look back at relationships and we start to say things like, well, we used to be friends, but we just don't really see each other anymore. Well, we know each other, but but we, we don't talk very often. I, I couldn't tell you what's going on in their life right now. We start to say things like, well, we're friendly. I, I don't know if I would call us friends though because there's not an intensity in our relationship. There's not really a frequency to the proximity of our connection any longer. And I wonder how many of us listening today, if we had to be honest about our relationship with Jesus, would have to say, well, I know who he is, but I don't know if I could tell you what he's doing in this season. I don't know if I could tell you what he's speaking about right now. I, I don't know that there's a lot of duration to our proximity. I don't know that there's a lot of frequency to my connection with him. I, I don't know that there's a lot of intensity. I don't know that we're sharing dreams and goals and visions. I don't know that the things that I'm going after are the things that he's going after and that there's a shared carrying in my relationship. I wonder how many of us, if we looked at our relationship with Jesus and gave an honest evaluation, would have to say, well, we used to be friends because we don't find ourselves abiding with him. Jesus takes these four things, proximity, frequency, duration, intensity, and he wraps them all up in a single word. He calls it abide. 
I want you to abide with me. I want you to hang out with me sometimes. I want you to just sit back and chill with me sometimes. I want you to make sure that you're never too far from connection with me, from being in relationship with me. I want you to make sure that you abide with me. And then he says something else. He says, obey. He says, my friends, obey my commands. Now, this is a different thing here than probably all of your other relationships and all of your natural friendships. It actually is a characteristic of the friendship that you don't have to obey what your friends say. If you have a natural friendship where part of the context of the relationship is that you obey what the other person says, you really need to evaluate the relevancy of that relationship in your life because that is an unhealthy context for that. But in our relationship with Jesus, he says, it is the characteristic of my friends that they obey my command. Now, the direction of this is really critical. You are not his friend because you obey. Because you are his friend, you obey his commands. It's not an evaluation for whether or not you get to be his friend. It is the characteristic of people who are in friendship with Jesus that they obey his command. It is the quality of the relationship. It is the outcome of the relationship. It's what happens when you are a friend of Jesus is that you obey his command and then Jesus defines it for us. He says, this is what obey my commands mean. My command, if you look back in verse 12, if you jump up a couple of lines, he says, when you obey my command, my command is that you would love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is the ultimate leader. He gives us the example before he ever asks us to do it. He shows us what he means before he ever says, this is how I want you to do it. Before he ever told them, I want you to love one another, he walked around and he showed them, this is what love looks like. This is what caring for each other looks like. This is what it means to lay your life down for someone else. This is my command. He says, those who are my friends, they follow my commands. They obey my commands. They see that my command is walked out. And when he's referencing his command, he's not talking about the 613 commandments that are in the Jewish scripture. No, he says, I have one command for you. Love. Love one another. In all that you do, love should be your goal. In all that you do, love should be your target. In all that you do, love is your focus. Love is the outworking. If you are my friend, then you love one another. Friendship with Jesus looks like obeying his command, and his command is love. Are we loving one another well? Are we loving one another the way Jesus does? Are we loving one another so much that it hurts us sometimes? Are we loving one another so much that it costs us sometimes? Are we loving one another enough that sometimes my dreams are put on hold so that I can see your dream come to pass? Are we loving one another so much that sometimes I take out of my bank account to make sure that yours meets where it needs to be? Are we loving one another so much that sometimes we divide our meal in half to make sure somebody else has it? Are we loving one another enough so that sometimes 
sometimes we don't buy something that we wanted so we can make sure someone else has everything that we need? Are we loving one another so much that we wake up early or we go to bed late to make sure someone else is served? Are we loving one another enough that we would lay down our lives one for another? Because that is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated for them. That is the kind of love that Jesus calls us to. Not a love that just, the, the word love there actually means to be brought into relationship together, that we are connected, that we are bonded in a, a deep bond that brings us into love with Jesus, that we share in the love that he has, that we are now part of the love that we have, that we are so intricately knitted and bound together that loving you is in fact an act of loving myself. Do we obey his command? Because being a friend of Jesus is abiding in him and is obeying him. And Jesus has one command, love. But there's this confusing part of this text because he says, I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. I no longer call you servants. I now call you friends. But if we read scripture in the context of all scripture, which is how we should read any verse, we get in lots of trouble when we cherry pick single items and try to build an entire something on that, then we know that we are still called servants. Just a couple of examples in 1 Corinthians, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And in Matthew 23, Jesus again is teaching them and says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Jesus tells them, I no longer call you servants, I now call you friends, but it's clear that we're also still servants. So which is it, Jesus? Am I servant or am I Friend, what is this that you're doing here? I have a love for all things old. I really love old things. I really love to study old things. I love to uh, enjoy old things. And I have a particular passion for the kind of Victorian and Edwardian era. And I love studying things, whether it's factual history or whether it's fiction. I love studying things from that time period. And this is the time period where, if you were in England, it was very much marked by an aristocracy that owned all of the land and then a serving class who was subservient to this aristocracy who owned everything. And whether it's in history or whether it's in fiction, there are always these stories of the servants who ran these great manors and, and pieces of property and the owners, that, the aristocrats that owned that land. And in the process of this, because they have great proximity and they have great frequency and they have great duration, there becomes an intensity that adds to the relationship as they share different things throughout their life. And there's always this moment where you have a servant who becomes a friend of the master of the house. And the master says, you're really a friend to me now because you know all about my life because we've shared so much together. But here's the thing, that servant doesn't stop being a servant because they've now also become a friend. What they've done is they've added a deeper title. They've added another layer. They've added another part of what it means to be in this relationship. They are still servant. They still go to serve. They still see about their duties. They still see about all that they've been required and called to do. But they also get to share and enjoy in a friendship. That is what Jesus is doing here. 
He's saying, yes, you are servants. Yes, you go out. Yes, you serve others. Yes, you love others. Yes, you go and you run errands on earth on my behalf. But also, I want to bring you into a deeper level of relationship with me. I want to add another title to who you are. I want to add another layer to this relationship. I want to add another level of richness to what it means to be in our relationship together because I now also call you friend. When Phil and I got married, we were friends, and then we got married, and then I was also called wife. I didn't stop being friend because I was called wife now. You don't stop being servant because you're also called friend now. You get to be a servant of Christ while also enjoying friendship with Christ. He brings us into his friendship. He brings us into a new level of relationship with him. He brings us into a new level of depth with him, and this is the defining factor. It's revelation. Servants don't have revelation about why they do what they do. They do what they do because they were told to do it. They carry out orders because it's what was said. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus, sometimes there are times in your relationship in early days where you're not sure why you're doing what you're doing, but you're carrying it out because this is what I was told to do. But when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he says, there's another level that I'm calling you into. There's a deeper layer that I want to make you a part of, and that is the layer of friendship. When I call you friends, friends get to know the why behind what's happening. Friends get to hear the thoughts that I'm thinking through. Friends get to know the long-term plan where I'm going. Friends get to see what's coming next and what the next layer and what the next level is. He says, I don't just call you servants. I now call you you friends. And when I call you friends, I want you to be part of the process with me. When I call you friends, I want you to come in and hear what I'm thinking. I want you to be about the business that is happening. I want you to walk with me and I want you to talk with me because friends get invited into understanding. Friends get to be explained to the why. Friends get to understand how many times throughout scripture did Jesus speak to the crowd and he told them great mysteries. And then when he drew the disciples away, they said, what? What was all that about? And he sat down and he explained it to them because friends have access that servants don't. Friends have communication that servants don't. Friends have the ability to ask, we didn't get that. We don't know why this is happening. This doesn't make sense. Can you explain it to us a little bit more in the way that servants don't? Jesus says, I'm adding another layer here. And where he begins to walk with them and he begins to talk with them, he begins to bring them into friendship with him because now they get a revelation of what it is he's doing. But this isn't anything new. Jesus isn't presenting them with a new title. He's restoring to them the title that was always intended for them. If we look at the beginning of the book of Genesis, we see that Jesus walked with Adam and Eve, that he talked with Adam and Eve, that he shared with them what he was about, that he shared with them proximity, that he shared with them frequency, that he shared with them duration, and that he shared with them intensity, and they shared it with him as well. They shared with him friendship in the garden. But something came in, sin came in, and it broke 
that relationship. The friendship was broken because God can't be part of sin because he's altogether holy, because he's altogether pure, because he's altogether lovely, then he can't be in proximity with sin. And so there was space in the relationship. There was a gap. There was a divide in the relationship where friendship couldn't be part of what was happening because proximity was no longer possible when sin entered the equation. And so there was separation in our relationship with God. And because we could not get back to him, because we could not fix it, this is where God is so different to us. We think it's the responsibility of the person who broke the relationship to fix the relationship. But God looked and said, you broke the relationship, but there's no way you can fix this. You messed up the situation, but there's no way you can put it back together. You brought sin into our dynamic. You brought sin into the equation, but it's outside of your reach and it's outside of your means to ever put it back together again. So instead of putting the onus on you to fix the relationship, I'm going to come into the world so that I can fix the relationship. And Jesus came down, skin wrapped in flesh, and he began walking around and he began revealing himself and he put himself back in proximity with the very people that had rejected him. And he said, I'm calling you home to me. And by the way, I'm not just calling you home to be a servant. I'm calling you home to be my friend. I'm calling you home to let you share in what's happening here. I'm calling you home to restore what he fixed the friendship for us because it was outside of our means to fix the friendship on our own. And he said, what we were always intended to be was friends. And so I want us to be friends again. Let me fix this friendship for you. And he fixed the friendship and he brought us back into right relationship with us. He chose us. And I want to look again at verse 16. John 15 and 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Because you abide, your fruit will abide. So that wherever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. There are benefits to friendship with Jesus. He invited us into a fixed friendship with him that bears us great rewards. There is great fruitfulness in friendship with Jesus. And whenever you go to the Father, because you are friends with Jesus, he says, when you go to him, I want you to go to him and say, I'm friends with your son. And your son told me if I ever need anything that I should come to you and I should ask you and that you can provide for me what I need. When you go in prayer this week during your fasting, you don't go only as a servant. You go as a friend of Jesus. Jesus chose you and he called you into friendship with you. And when he called you into friendship, he said, hey, there's some benefits to friendship with me. Whenever you go to ask the father, just tell him you're coming in my name. Just tell him, I'm the one who sent you. Just tell him, I'm the one who gave you access. And so when you go in, you say, Jesus told me I should come to you. And he said, when I have a need, I should come to you and I should ask you about my need and that whatever I need, you will provide it. Whatever you need this week, I want you to go with the confidence that you are a friend of Jesus and that he has sent you to the Father to ask in his name and the Father will provide it. Not because 
because you're afar off, not because you're a servant, but because you are a friend of Jesus. Whatever you need, go and ask of it in his name. Whatever you need, know that you are a friend of Jesus, that he chose you when you couldn't choose him, that he fixed the friendship when you couldn't fix it, that he explained it to you and gave you understanding when it was beyond your grasp and beyond your reach, and that whatever you're facing, it's beyond you. It's outside of your control. It's outside of your grasp. It's outside of your skill set. It's outside of your ability to study for the answer. But ask in his name because it's not beyond him. It's not outside of him. It's not greater than his understanding. It's not greater than his ability to provide. It is right inside his wheelhouse. And if you go to the Father in the name of Jesus, he will answer your prayers. He will provide for you. Because we have friendship with Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your friendship. We thank you that you call us friend. We thank you that you have chosen us. We thank you that you have drawn us to you. We thank you that we get to abide to you. What an incredible thing that God has called us friend and that we have access to heaven in your name. God, I just speak over this congregation today that as we step into a time of prayer and fasting, that the doors of heaven would be open over their life, that everything they ask in your name that you would provide that you would show up, God, in miracles and signs and wonders and answers and yeses in relationships and everything that they need, that there would be no lack, no lack physically, no lack spiritually, no lack emotionally. And God, I speak against the spirit of loneliness that has tried to grip at our lives, tried to grip at our hearts. And I speak friendships, natural friendships across this room. If you've been in a season where you feel like friendships are lacking, like friendships have moved, like friendships have shifted, like you're not sure, just open your heart to God right now and ask him. He will provide. God, I thank you that you are sending friendships for this season. I thank you that you are sending good relationships for this season. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. We thank you, God.